Hello everyone, I'm Peter Lupson, author of the book Thank God for Football, about the church origins of 12 famous English football clubs who have played in the FA Premier League. The series is based on my book Thank God for Football, which is available from Amazon or directly from the publisher SPCK. Today's club is Barnsley. 1912 will forever be etched in the minds of supporters of Barnsley Football Club. It was the year the club tasted national glory by winning the FA Cup for the first and only time in its history. The match ball from that momentous cup final is one of the club's most treasured possessions, but surprisingly, its first home was not in Barnsley, but in Islington, London, where it was proudly displayed in the study of a Church of England clergyman. But how did a London clergyman come to own this symbol of the club's greatest triumph? Simply because in the euphoria of victory, the club remembered the man to whom it owed its very existence. By presenting the ball to the Reverend Tiverton Preedy immediately after the match, Barnsley Football Club was honouring its founder. Tiverton Preedy was born in Hunstanton, Norfolk in 1863. At 22, he trained for the Anglican ministry and at 24, took up an appointment as curate at St Peter's Church in a squalid part of central Barnsley, a Yorkshire coal mining town. In common with other industrial towns of the Victorian period, Barnsley was largely populated by manual workers who lived with their families in unsanitary, cramped, terraced houses where poverty and disease were rife. During his settling-in period in the town, Preedy, a keen sportsman, joined Barnsley Rugby Club, but he didn't stay long. He resigned in protest when the club, which normally played its games on Saturdays, announced it had arranged a match for Good Friday. Preedy refused to play on the day that marks the crucifixion of Christ. As he walked away from the club, he overheard some young men discussing the idea of forming a football club. Preedy joined in their conversation. His vision and infectious enthusiasm convinced them that here was the man to lead them. Preedy willingly accepted their invitation to set up and run the club. He knew that football could provide him with a vehicle for reaching out to the working-class community of St Peter's. His first step was to choose a name that would signal the commitment of the church. That name was Barnsley St Peter's Football Club. It was appropriate, therefore, that at the inaugural meeting in September 1887, the two clergymen of St Peter's should be elected officers. Preedy was appointed financial secretary, while the vicar, Reverend John Lloyd Brereton, was elected president. Preedy was, in fact, much more than just financial secretary. He was a player. He recruited players. He arranged fixtures. He found match officials for fixtures. And he mediated in disputes. He also found a field for use as the club's home ground. It still plays on the site today in the Oakwell Stadium. It's no wonder, then, that the team became known locally as Preedy's team. Barnsley St Peter's played their first match in September 1887, a friendly away to Manor House. Preedy played as a forward. The Saints, as they were initially known after St Peter's, won 4 one the club quickly made its mark and after only a few weeks had attracted enough players to form a second eleven. 
Although Preedy clearly enjoyed the rough-and-tumble of football as it was played at the time, he also expected very high standards of sporting behaviour from players and spectators. On one occasion, he was so disgusted by the behaviour of supporters of fierce local rivals Ardsley that he refused to play them the following season. In a letter to the local press, he explained why. I cannot satisfy myself that, judging from past experience... The conduct and language of a large portion of spectators would be such, if the match was played there, as to be conducive of either a pleasant or a well-played game. We cannot too strongly bear in mind that if we allow the football field to degenerate simply into a resort for people who will not conduct themselves aright, we shall lose the support of those people who encourage football for the game's sake and who are its only true supporters. The club continued to thrive, and by 1890 was strong enough to be admitted to the Sheffield and District League. Three years later, in 1893, their first trophy was won, the Barnsley Charity Cup. It gave great occasion for joy and celebration, but the year was also tinged with sadness, because Tiverton Preedy, the driving force behind the club, was to leave Barnsley, to serve in a church in Islington, London. His loss would be felt not just by the club, but also by the town. This was recognised at a special farewell gathering in his honour, attended by the mayor and civic dignitaries, as well as the St Peter's FC players. Warm tribute was paid to Preedy by a number of speakers. The mayor told the audience, Mr Preedy has done an immense amount of good work in that part of the town where his mission has been, and he has done it in a Christian-like manner. He has undoubtedly elevated the working class and given them higher aims to work for. He has shown them there was something more in this world than the actual getting of food and drink for the sustaining of our bodies. Another speaker applauded Preedy's courage and said... Mr. Preedy has been a fearless pastor. If there was any work wanted doing, or any place wanted visiting, no matter what the dangers were, you would always find him there. As we shall see, it was fearlessness he would certainly need in Islington. Once Preedy had left Barnsley, a campaign was started by one of the St. Peter's FC committee to delete St. Peter's from the club's title and to rename it Barnsley Town Association Football Club. He argued that if the link with St Peter's could be broken in this way, matches could be played on Good Fridays, something Preedy would never have allowed. Four years of debate and disagreement followed. It was clear that Preedy had so firmly established the club's identity as an integral part of the church that a change of name was not going to happen overnight. It was not until the start of the 1897-8 season that the club played under a new name for the first time, Barnsley Football Club. When Preedy left for London, it was in the full knowledge that he was embarking on a ministry that would stretch him to his limits. Islington suffered even greater poverty and deprivation than the St Peter's district of Barnsley, and he knew that the pastoral demands on him would be huge. After serving four years as a curate at St Clement's in City Road, he was appointed priest in charge of All Saints Mission in White Lion Street, described by a newspaper as, quote, 
one of the most unlovely spots in London. When Preedy arrived there, the buildings were dilapidated, being nothing more than the cowsheds of a local dairyman. The little house in which he lived had no furniture, not even a bed, so he slept on the floor using his coat for a blanket. His neighbours in the dismal streets of the district mostly earned their living as costermongers, that is, fruit sellers, or as flower sellers. He cared deeply for the women and girls who sold flowers in the street. In the daytime, he would invite them into the mission hall to take a break from their work. He would play the piano for them so that they could dance to the music and for a short while forget the world outside. Once again, it was through sport that Preedy reached out to the men in his community. He set up a boxing ring and two billiard tables in the crypt of his mission hall and here he founded a sports club which was to become famous for the boxers and wrestlers it produced, including a world flyweight boxing champion and eight Olympic wrestlers. Now Preedy himself had something of a reputation as a boxer. Although only five foot five inches tall, none of the neighbourhood toughs would dare raise a finger to him. He used his boxing skills to good effect in combating the drinking excesses of some of the men of the district. He had the window of his study specially constructed as a bay so that he could see the two pubs at either end of White Lion Street. If a wife reported to him that her husband had been seen entering one of them, Preedy was quickly after him, putting up his fists to make sure the weekly wages were not wasted on drink. In an interview with the sportsman, Preedy explained how he combined religion and sport at the mission hall. Without giving the slightest offence, you can call ours the Costas Club. These are the men who would a short time ago have ridiculed the thought of darkening the doors of a church, but who are by degrees learning self-respect and realising that the Divine Master is their friend and that true religion can be brought into their lives without spoiling their sport and pleasures. The Costa Club membership has grown by leaps and bounds and it's quite a common sight to see 100 to 150 of them on Tuesday and Wednesday nights boxing and wrestling and thoroughly enjoying themselves in these manly sports. What is more gratifying to me is to see these same men voluntarily coming to their class in church on Sunday afternoons. They love the hymn singing, and though the volume of voice may not be musical, it is nevertheless most hearty. Although he now lived in Islington, Preedy never forgot Barnsley Football Club. Every Saturday during the football season, he would give one of the boys from the neighbourhood a few coppers to buy the late edition of the newspaper with the football results. If Barnsley were playing in London, he would go along to the match if he could and had great pleasure meeting old friends who had travelled down. He would invite them back to the mission where they could enjoy the Saturday night boxing contests. He also occasionally travelled up to Barnsley, especially for important cup games. Right up until his death, he sent a telegram of encouragement to the Barnsley team before every cup match. Without doubt, Preedy's proudest moment was Barnsley's FA Cup final victory against West Bromwich Albion in 1912. We can imagine his joy when the ball from the match was presented to him as a mark of the club's affection and respect. He proudly displayed it on a stand in his study until the day he died. After his death, the ball was returned to Barnsley. 
Preedy had bequeathed it to the club in his will. Although Barnsley was always to be a part of him, Preedy remained in Islington for the rest of his life. He never married, but devoted himself entirely to the care of the people of the district. In the last year of his life, 1928, he suffered from severe heart problems, but worked on regardless until his death, aged 65. As the Islington Gazette reported, there can be no doubt that his strenuous work in the past few years, during which the mission buildings were completely rebuilt, considerably taxed his strength. But nothing would induce him to relax his efforts in the slightest degree. Indeed, he may be said to have died in harness, for on the night preceding his death, he visited the girls' club, watched the boys at work in their boxing and gymnastic clubs, and listened in for a few minutes at the men's club. His funeral service took place on the 30th of April. It was conducted by the Bishop of Stepney in the Mission Hall in White Lion Street. The hall could hold 200, but hundreds more tried to get in. Those who couldn't stood outside and sang along with the hymns they could hear inside. After the service, thousands lined the streets to say their goodbyes as the cortege made its way to Islington Cemetery. Let the words of the Bishop of Stepney to the packed congregation at Preedy's funeral service bring our story to an end. They capture Preedy perfectly. You have had a great man in your midst. You have had a wonderful parish priest and a splendid friend. Father Preedy was a sportsman. He could talk to sportsmen. They and he knew that the real power of Father Preedy was his simple, natural, childlike love of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you know, most clubs have a song or tune associated with that club, and they love to sing the song in particular before, during, and if they're successful in the match, after the game. You're now going to hear the song associated with Barnsley. Oak Will is a place where we live in a dream. If you're living in Barnsley, you'll know the guys in our team. Ronnie Gobby could be clapping. He remembers the scene of the goal that could have brought us. I hope you enjoyed that story. Join us again next time to hear another one about the church origin of a famous English football club. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Peter Lupson, author of Thank God for Football. <laughs>